0: You now stand in honor of God's word. Our passage is Psalm 30. Psalm 30 in your pew Bibles, it's page 522. Should be a pew Bible nearby. Um, So we'd love for you to be able to see the passage as it's being preached so that you can see God's word and see what he's saying to you. Psalm 30, page 522 in the pew Bibles. Psalm 30.
1: I will exalt you, Lord, for you lifted me out of the depths and did not let my enemies gloat over me. Lord, my God, I called to you for help, and you healed me. You, Lord, brought me up from the realm of the dead. You spared me from going down to the pit. Seeing the praises of the Lord, you, his faithful people. Praise his holy name. For his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may stay for the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. When I felt secure, I said, I will never be shaken. Lord, when you favored me, you made my royal mountain stand firm. But when you hid your face, I was dismayed. To you, Lord, I called. To the Lord, I cried for mercy. What is gain? I am silenced if I go down to the pit. Will the dust praise you? Will it proclaim your faithfulness? Hear, O Lord, and be merciful to me. Lord, be my help. You turned my wailing into dancing. You removed my sackcloth and clothed me with joy. That my heart may sing your praise and not be silent. Lord, my God, I will praise you forever. The word of the Lord.
0: Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Thank you, Carrie. Would you pray with me once more as we come to God's word together? Let's pray. Fathers, we come. The reality is all praise belongs to you. Everything that we have is a gift from you, even our breath. The Lord is very hard to live in light of that reality. We're so prone to think. That we are in control, that we are self sufficient. So I pray that as we enter into the words of King David in Psalm 30, that we would be reminded that everything is a gift from you, and that as we see your love, your goodness, your generosity towards us, your people, I pray that thanksgiving would flow and that our, our hearts would overflow. Towards one another, towards you, in thanksgiving, that we would declare all the things that you have done so that you would receive all the glory, Lord. So come and come and awaken our hearts and lift up our eyes to you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So, as I mentioned earlier, today we're going to have a, a service of praise and thanksgiving where we have opportunity uh, to share, to share with one another, to share before the Lord to give thanks to him for all that he's done over the past year or beyond or whatever he would put on your heart uh, to share. And as we do that, we're worshiping him. We're praising him as we declare the mighty, wonderful things that he's done. So what I want to do with the sermon is I want to preach a short, short, short thing here. And that's not a joke. I'm for real. I'm going to try to be very, very brief. Uh, and what I want to do with this psalm is I want to prime the pump for us, prime the pump that we would, um, our hearts would be lifted up, our hearts would be awakened and, and lifted up and that we would begin to see uh, everything that, that God has lavished on us in the past year and that our hearts would be warmed by his love and his generosity so that then we can share in this time. So that's, that's what's coming here. Now, we have been in this season of Thanksgiving. Of course, this past week was Thanksgiving, and and leading up to that, we hear, uh, especially in our culture, on TV, as we're out and about, we see a lot about uh, gratitude, about being thankful for what we have, um, counting our blessings, appreciating uh, all the, all the, the many wonderful things that we have in our life. We hear that talk a lot, even in our culture. In all kinds of different places, and that is a wonderful, wonderful thing to celebrate. But here's one of the things that's often missing as we hear this tone in the culture. What's missing is the thankful to whom. That make sense? It is one thing to have an attitude of thankfulness, to be grateful, and that is great. But it's a very different thing to give thanks someone who's given you something and that's important for us to remember is that very often we can say hey I'm very thankful for the things in my life I can have that attitude of thankfulness but yet not praise and thank the one who's given all things to us and that's one of the most crucial things for us to remember and it's crucial to see that because that's what really generates thanksgiving in our life to the Lord what generates praise to him is whenever we see everything that I have is not just good things that I've been blessed with. They are gifts from the giver. Uh, why is it that our culture will say so much about gratitude but so very little about the one who's given all things to us? Gratitude is a feeling. Thanksgiving is an action. It's something that you choose to do. Now, it's not just in our culture that we forget the one who gives all these things to us. We do it too in our lives. In Tim Keller's book on prayer, he talks about how uh, prayers of confession and repentance are often born out of circumstances in our life. You know, you, you, you blow it big in your life, you sin, you mess up in some way, and that creates a sense of helplessness and drives you in prayer to the Lord. Lord, forgive me. And that's a good thing. That's a great thing. The same kind of thing happens with prayers of supplication or asking things of God. That's what that means. That oftentimes is born out of circumstances in our life. You know how this works. Uh, something goes wrong. Uh, you get sick. Someone you love is diagnosed with cancer. You're facing a, a financial crisis of, of some sort. Something Happens in your life. In other words, a circumstance comes into your life, and what does it do? It drives you in prayer to the Lord. You're asking, you're you're praying for him to come and help you in your life. It, It creates a sense of neediness and helplessness in your life. But here's the interesting thing. You would expect that in times of plenty, in times of blessing, in times whenever Uh, Things are going so well in our life that we would pray just as much in giving thanks. That's what you would expect. But it doesn't work that way, does it? What generates most of the prayer in our life? It's a circumstance. It's something going wrong. And yet whenever things are going well, so often in our life, so often in my life, there's very little prayer. Why is that? Why is it that we pray in times when, when things are hard, but yet whenever we are experiencing God's blessings, we give thanks so very little? Why is that? Here's why. We are prone to believe that we're independent, that we're self sufficient. We are pr- prone to believe that all the good things in our life that somehow have come into our life because of something that we've done, ultimately, something that we have achieved, something that we've figured out. Now, we would never say this out loud, but it works that way in our lives. So very often that all of the good gifts that have come into our life, we begin to believe this is from me and something that I have created. Bart Simpson was one time asked to give a blessing for the meal. And and Bart Simpson uttered a blessing that I think many of us might have thought at one time or another in our hearts, we would never, of course, again, admit this. So he was asked to give the, press, uh, the blessing for the meal, and here's what he says. Dear God, we paid for all of this stuff ourselves, so thanks for nothing. Amen. <gasps> you ever think that? You know, you're given the blessing. Of course, we wouldn't think about it in that way. It's an extreme. But you're given the blessing for something, you're thinking, you know, I... I did go buy this food here, and I did go to work all that time to make the money that bought this food, and I got it from Ingalls. It didn't come down from the Lord. We tend to live life that way, looking at all of the good things in our life and thinking somehow, well, really, ultimately, I did this. I provided this in my life. But here's what happens is we begin to see that every good thing in our life is a gift From the Lord, something that He has given to us, and it is out of His abundant love and generosity and goodness that that's how everything that I have, even my very own breath, that's where it's from. Thanksgiving will begin to flow in our hearts. It just flows. So we're looking at Psalm 30, which is a psalm of David. It's a very classic psalm of thanksgiving, that's a genre of psalms. Uh, at least a third of the psalms could be considered a psalm of thanksgiving, where the psalmist is giving thanks to the Lord. Now thanksgiving, giving thanks, a psalm of thanksgiving, is kind of a subset of a psalm of praise. They're kind of very similar, but in, in a psalm of praise, typically you're, you're giving praise to God for who he is, or even what he has done in the distant past, like in redeeming his people, his mighty acts of redemption. And very often with a prayer of thanksgiving, you're giving thanks for something that's more recent in your life, some very specific way that God has shown up and brought about help, brought about reversal in your life. And that's what we see in Psalm 30 is David is Praying this psalm of thanksgiving to the Lord because of something that God has done in his life very, very recently. And because it's a psalm, he is declaring it before God's people and inviting us to join him in learning how to give thanks to the Lord. It becomes a model for us. So as we see it, it'll propel us into our own giving thanks to the Lord here in just a few minutes. So. Very typically, the structure of a psalm of thanksgiving kind of works like this. At the very beginning, there's kind of a summary of of thanks. He's kind of saying, uh, I want to give thanks to the Lord, and here's what God has done in my life. And then next, there's typically an invitation of the community to join in. You know, praise is enhanced whenever you invite other people to join you in it, and the psalmist does that over and over and over. So he's going to say, here's what God's done. Now I want you to come and join me in giving thanks to the Lord for what he's done in my life. And then typically there's a going back and a recounting what happened. In other words, here's where I was. Here's the hole I was in. Here was the circumstance I was facing in my life. And then here's what God did in my life. So it recounts what happened. And then it usually ends with praise and thanksgiving. And that is very much, this is a very... Typical flow as we look at a psalm of thanksgiving. So let's look at what we see and what we learn about what God had done in David's life and see if maybe we can relate in some various ways. So in verses one through three, David launches into this thanksgiving and this praise. He says, I will exalt you, O Lord, for you lifted me out of the depths. You did not let my enemies gloat over me. O oh, Lord, my God, my God, I called to you for help and you healed me. O oh, Lord, you brought me up from the grave, you spared me from going down into the pit. So what's happened in David's life? He doesn't tell us specifically exactly what was happening in his life, but as he describes it, he's giving thanks because he was in some circumstance in his life where he was in a pit, it was like being in a pit, he was in the depths, he talks about being lifted up out of the depths, uh, being lifted up out of the grave. Uh, in Hebrew poetry, these are common metaphors for trouble, for deep trouble, often for trouble is associated with the threat of death. Uh, in Hebrew poetry, being in the depths, like it being in the bottom of the ocean, is like the ultimate of being overwhelmed, of being lost, of being uh, in trouble, of being depressed and in despair. And so we learn that as David describes his situation, he was in the depths, utterly helpless to rescue himself. Another image is of being in a pit, like being in a deep hole. You ever felt like that in your life? Being down in a hole and cannot get yourself out? And he even says... You rescued me from the grave. He gives us a little hint here. He says, you healed me. It looks like David had been sick. He had had some grave illness where he was facing death. And whenever a king would be in that place and vulnerable in that way, he was extremely vulnerable to his enemies. A king always had enemies, always somebody who's trying to take his position, take his throne. And so if a king is down and out and sick, the enemies would be plotting and getting ready, but yet David is giving thanks. This thanks is overflowing in joy from his heart because he said, you came down into the pit and lifted me out. You brought me up out of the depths. You lifted me up out of the grave. You rescued me. That's what he's giving thanks for. In this past year, have you been in a pit have you found yourself in a circumstance where you were afraid, where you were helpless, where you were facing something that you couldn't handle in your life? I mean, it could really, in the way that he portrays it here, it could, it could apply to literally anything that we've been facing. Whether it was a sickness like him, whether it was a broken relationship in your life, whether it was a depression taking over your life that very, very, very much feels like being in the depths, of being in a deep, dark hole. Maybe it's the, the threat of, of the life of someone that you love. That's my story. I mean, one of the things that I'm thankful for is remembering my little boy, Bo, not yet two years old, in the hospital, hooked up to machines, and not knowing what's happening in his life. I was scared for his life. And I cried out to the Lord. He rescued him, lifted him up out of the pit. And so whenever you realize that, and whenever you experience that, and you see that it's God that lifted him up, it fills you, like David, with joy and with thanksgiving. Now, here's the challenge, though. When everything is good, we forget that we're dependent. When everything is going well, when circumstances are good in your life, you forget that everything that we have is a gift from the Lord. It's from his hands. Have you ever experienced that? It's so easy whenever things are going well and things are working right to think, man, I got this together. Everything's going well because of what I've chosen to do, because of my life. Everything's good here. And as David takes us back to share his experience, that was exactly what happened In his life. Look at verse 6. Whenever he takes us back to his reality. What took place in his life. Look at what he says in verse 6. When I felt secure. I said I will never be shaken. David's remembering back to this time in his life. Where everything felt good. Everything felt secure. And he kind of had this mentality of. Man I'm on top of the world. I got the whole world spinning in my hands. David's seated upon his throne. The kingdom is secure. And he has this overconfidence. He has this sense that like everything's good because he's in control. Everything's good because he's led in just the right way. And he has this sense of, de- of independence. He doesn't sense his helplessness from the Lord. He doesn't sense the fact that everything he has is a gift from the Lord. But look at what he describes he now understands about that time. Oh Lord, when you favored me, you made my mountain stand firm. It was because in that moment you were favoring me, that's why everything was secure. That's why everything was right. That's why all these blessings were here. Because in that moment, you were favoring me. But when you hid your face, I was dismayed. The moment that he pulls back his favor, the moment that he changes the circumstances... I sank like a rock. You see, David is realizing everything is in your hands. Every moment, every circumstance is in your hands. When it's good, it's because you're favoring me. And whenever it goes south, it's because you have chosen for some reason to bring this into my life. David begins to understand, I had this overconfidence. I had this sense of dependence. It was an illusion. You alone are in control. Of my life. So what happened? What did he do whenever everything went south in his life? Look at verse 8. To you, O Lord, I called. To the Lord I cried for mercy. In the midst of his brokenness. Of his sickness. Of everything going south in his life. I cried out to you. And look at look at how he describes this. I cried to the Lord for mercy. Verse 9. And look how he builds his case here. This is a lament. A lament is like a holy complaint. It's building a case before the Lord. We need to learn how to do this. This is throughout the Psalms. Whenever things go south, you know what the psalmists do? They begin to build a case before the Lord of why he should come and show up. And look at how how David builds his case here. What gain is there in my destruction? In my going down into the pit, will the dust praise you? How will it proclaim your faithfulness? Hear, O Lord, and be merciful to me. O Lord, be my help. How does he motivate the Lord to show up in his life? See, he knows what motivates the Lord. He knows what God is like. He says, Lord, if I die, if everything goes south, then how are you going to get glory? How can I praise you if I'm dead? You want to keep me alive because if you show up in my life then I'm going to give you praise. If you show up and bring about reversal in my life then I'm going to get to declare who you are and what you've done. He knows that God is motivated by his glory. And he builds that case before the Lord and then he ends with have mercy. He's Bleeding. He's calling out to the Lord. He realizes he's got no control. It's entirely in the Lord's hands. And then, verse 11, the result. What does God do? You turned my wailing into dancing. You removed my sackcloth and clothed me with joy that my heart may sing to you and not be silent. O oh Lord, my God, I will give you thanks forever. What was the result? God brought about reversal in his life. See, David is acknowledging here, you did this. Not, hey, the sickness passed away, my immune system overcame it, the medicine that I got was just, it did the trick, I'm glad I got that treatment. None of that. It was, you brought about reversal in my life. And what a reversal it was. Did you see how he described it here? You turned my wailing into dancing. It's what God does. The God of reversal. Wailing is a very vivid picture of grief. It's not just crying. To wail is to mourn and to cry out from the depths of who you are. Have you wailed this past year? I have. And yet, God took his wailing in the midst of his pain and turned it into dancing. Maybe he was remembering that scene in 2 Samuel, whenever... David is bringing the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem and he's leading the procession. And what is David doing? He's dancing. The king, just cutting loose, cutting a rug out in front of the Ark. Why was he dancing? Why do you dance? Because joy is taking you over. That's his point. God, here's what you did. You took me, I was in the pit, and I was wailing in pain, and you turned it into dancing changed it. You reversed it. What produces the thanks in his life? See where he ends? I will give you thanks forever. What leads David to that place? It is realizing that every good gift, reversal, deliverance in his life is from the Lord. And not only is it from the Lord, not does he do it begrudgingly, but it is from his heart of generosity and love for his children. See, as we begin to see that as the story that's behind everything good that takes place in our life, you know what it does? It produces thanksgiving. This is what God does. You know, with God, hard things come. That's what he says earlier in verse 5, whenever he's kind of calling the community to join him. He says this, his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may remain for a night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. The Lord does not promise that hard things will not come into our life. The Lord never promises that we will not suffer, that we will not face pain in our life. But here is what is promised to those who belong to him. That though weeping remains for a night, joy comes in the morning. Always with the Lord. No matter what you're facing in your life, the morning is coming. And there is joy. And what is the ultimate proof of that? It's the gospel. This is what God does. He brings about the reversal of the broken things in our life. And the ultimate picture of that is Jesus. Of how God literally comes down into the pit that we're all born into. And experiences the grave himself. And yet brings about reversal through the resurrection. The resurrection is the ultimate picture. That joy comes in the morning. No matter what you're walking through. Joy comes in the morning. That is our hope. Now let's take a few moments. to.